Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Happy 13th, my beautiful friends. 13 was a lucky number for me. I actually got married on a 13th the first time, and uh, the anniversary of our first kiss was also the 13th. So I actually like the number 13. Um, Some people think it's bad luck. I do not. Fun fact, because I live in Toronto and because there's such a huge Asian population here, the number four is considered like the bad luck number. So in my building that I'm in right now, there's no fourth floor, there's no 13th floor, and there's no 14th floor. So even though I'm on floor six, I'm actually on floor five. So that was something uh, my American husband was quite astonished at. And he noted, he said, I never realized how white the South is or or where he is, Nashville, until I came to Canada. He's like, white people in Canada are about 50%. Um, We do have quite a diverse population here. It's often said that the United States is a melting pot where uh, Canada is a garden salad. Because when you go to the United States, and we talked about this a little bit, the tendency is to be like African-American or um, Asian-American or uh, Italian-American. But when you come to Canada, you retain whatever your cultural background is. Um, so you are here, but you're Italian. You're here, but you're Portuguese. You're here, but you're Greek. So the garden salad reference is you are who you are. You're just mixed in with everyone else, but you retain all of your identity and your culture. We don't have like the Canadian dream the way there is an American dream. Um, The patriotism is very different up here. So it's been really cool to sort of learn about the differences from his perspective and from mine. Anyways, I just want to say a happy four years to CJ, who celebrates her four years of continuous sobriety this week. She's been a longtime listener and um, a friend, and we have had some dialogue, and I just think that's amazing to reach four years. I found that at five years, it felt very different than any of the previous years. It just kind of felt like, oh, okay, I'm in this. This is my life. I feel good. I feel strong. So I don't know, CJ, if that feels the same to you at four, but I feel like five is a pretty good milestone. I'm going to take my bracelets off because they do tend to click around a lot. So I am going to read from the language of letting go today. Let's see what Melody Beattie has for us on this lucky 13th. Friends. Don't overlook the value of friendship. Don't neglect friends. Friends are a joy. Adult friendships can be a good place for us to learn and to have fun and to appreciate how much fun we can have with a friend. Friends can be a comfort. Who knows us better or is more able to give us support than a good friend? A friendship is a comfortable place to be ourselves. Often, our choice of friends will reflect the issues we're working on. Giving and receiving support will help both people grow. Some friendships wax and wane, going through cycles throughout the years. Some trail off when one person outgrows the other. Certainly, we will have trials and tests in friendships and, at times, be called on to practice our recovery behaviors. But some friendships will last a lifetime. 
There are special love relationships and there are friendships. Sometimes our friendships, especially recovery friendships, can be special love relationships too. Today, I will reach out to a friend. I will let myself enjoy the comfort, joys, and enduring quality of my friendships. So when I entered recovery, uh, good God, over 10 years ago, I had two friends and they both lived far away from me. My original true blue bestie, who's Deidre, who's been my friend since, oh God, for over 20 years. Um, her, and she lives in Port Perry, so that's about an hour's drive from here. And then my friend Ange, who lives up in Owen Sound, which is about an hour and a half northwest of here. And those are my two friends. And I had really been a closet drinker, so I hadn't, they didn't know how bad it was. And certainly not, but Deidre, not the full extent of it. And so I came in with these two friends. And now I cannot tell you how many friends I have because of recovery. Most of my friendships have been with people in recovery. And I have another bestie, a newer bestie. I have two besties. Um, and we've been besties for seven years. Seven years? Five or seven years. I can't remember. I'm really bad with numbers and decades and times and dates. And I have a very inner circle of dear friends to me. One of them is Lisa, who I co-host this podcast with and who I am de desperately begging for us to get together to keep recording. But her life and COVID and it's just a lot to get together right now. And she prefers not to do the call-in stuff. So hopefully we'll be recording at least one podcast next week when she officially meets my husband up north at her cabin. Um, and I have a very, like I have a lot of, beautiful friends in AA and in recovery and I have and maybe this is horrible but I have like a there's like a tier system right so like the first tier is the people that are closest to you your inner inner circle and then there's like your tier two friends which are close but not necessarily like your closest closest friends and then there's like tier three people and then tier four people which are like be acquaintances but the thing I find most comforting about all of these new friendships is I have a group of people that understand my unique journey as an alcoholic they understand my crazy nothing shocks them they are always there for me and I have never had had friends who from the very beginning hardly knowing them would drop anything for a fellow sufferer a, suff a fellow addict a fellow alcoholic I know that when someone in the rooms gives me their number that I can call them the next day and they will rally that happened to me many years ago I had um, when I was doing AA in the jails I met a man named Dave and he gave me his number at the jail. We went in together. And the way it works in jails is obviously you're pre-cleared, you're police checked, you go through training. And then on the selected day and time, you meet in the lobby of the jail and you get th and you get into the volunteer room where the lockers are. And then you see a sheet of what ranges you will be going to that day. And so there's usually three or four ranges. There's usually, you know, four to eight of us that go in and you you go off into pairs and each pair goes to one of the ranges that were filled out on the sheet that are looking for a meeting and you go in with a couple of pamphlets like the AA 20 questions um, a couple of the the pre-approved non-stapled um, grapevines which are the 
publication, the magazine of AA, and maybe some big books. And you go into the range and, you know, you yell out AA and the guard takes you to the room or to a certain part of the range and you hold these meetings and you basically do a very short speaker meeting. So each, the chairperson, one of the the pair, the two in the pair, will um, start with a moment of silence and serenity prayer. Uh, In the grapevine or in the big book, you read the steps, maybe even the traditions. And then each person shares their experience, strength and experience, strength and hope in like 10 minutes or less and then you open it up to the incarcerated persons and you say is there anything you want to share about your recovery today sorry sort of trying to keep it focused and usually they'll identify with something you said or bring up something new um anyways why am i telling you this Oh, so Dave, we went into a range for the first time that day together. I really loved him. He was very gentle in spirit. And he gave me his phone number, as happens a lot in the rooms. And um, the next day, I went to an abandoned Eastern Orthodox church that I had been wanting to visit to take pictures. And it was on a huge piece of property. So you had to park really far away and then walk in through this field and then you get to the center of the field which is overgrown because it's abandoned and the steps are crumbling and it's a big beautiful I mean it was like consecrated by the pope I'm not really sure how it fell into disarray but it did and as I'm on this property and I'm taking pictures I guess I got close to a Canadian goose's nest And I heard a noise and I looked around and this giant bird was flying at my chest. I heard whoosh, whoosh. And it was terrifying. So I kept running and it kept coming after me. And I ended up falling and I was very bloody. I still have scars all over my hands um, and running off of the property. And as I fell, my camera fell out, like my purse went flying, my keys to my truck fell. And the only thing I had left with me was my phone. And so I called Dave. I was pretty sure he lived in the area. And he came and he rescued me. And he took his car and we drove onto this abandoned property. And he got close to the keys. And that goose was just like stalking us. And he got my keys. And things like that have happened so many times that I can't even count them. And people, the people that have rallied around me most when I'm sick are these new friends that have come to my rescue. You know, even now when I got back and I had to quarantine for two weeks, I had several people in the program saying, if you need groceries, let me know. Um, brought me jam, brought me flowers. It's just been such a joy. So I celebrate my recovery friends. And what went from me feeling like people in AA are losers and I don't want to be like them turned into like this life-changing program of people that would die for each other because it's talks about in our book like uh, it's almost like survivors bonds like when there's a shipwreck the people you're shipwrecked you form very intense deep bonds we share a lot with each other and I think we're guided by such deep recovery and spiritual principles that we almost have like a a mission statement on how to be friends and how to be there for each other. And the way I've seen people rally around each other has been amazing in the program. So I am immensely grateful for the gifts AA has given to me. And I think the number one thing following my recovery, my freedom from my addiction and my relationship with my higher power is the people that were placed in my life to walk alongside me in this journey. 
So if you have someone that's important in your recovery, reach out to them. Maybe reach out to the first person you ever met in the program. I'm going to do that after I get off this um, podcast and email the first lady that I ever saw at my very first meeting who welcomed me in. My first grand sponsor died a couple of years ago, so I'm no longer in touch with her, obviously. Uh, So I'm going to email Susan, the first woman, the first person's face I ever saw standing guard at the rooms of AA over 10 years ago. I thank you for being my friend, for listening to me, for supporting me, and I love you. I'll talk to you soon.